Well, I believe we got up to the end of chapter 1 in James last time, and so we're going to jump right back in in chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, be they electronic or otherwise, turn to James chapter 2, and we'll start talking about partiality. And remember, by reminder constantly, is that the book of James was written to Christians who are experiencing some issues with maturity, and they continue to, to overlook some things that they need to be paying attention to. They continue to make decisions that show that they just haven't gone all the way in the right direction yet. And so James is reminding them of some things that they need to hear. And apparently during this time frame, it was... <laughs> It was something that was coveted to be recommended as someone of a higher status or a higher stature. And so, you know, you, you, you wanted to be recognized as someone who would sit at the head of the table. You know, you, you, and, and that's really not too much different from today, is it? I mean, there's plenty of pyramid climbers around today. They're everywhere. And, and, and folks want to get to the top of the mountain. And so... James here is trying to make a point, starting in chapter 2, that when it comes to the assembly of believers, when it comes to people who get together, that sort of partiality has absolutely zero place among Christian believers. And so we'll start off reading here in chapter 2 with verse 1. He says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, while you say to the other man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, why would someone in a church, which we're talking about assembly here, it's probably a church in a home at that time. It's probably an assembly of Christians. If someone walks in who looks like they are, you know, maybe a little bit higher up, why would they get treated differently? What's what's to gain by that? What do you think? What would be the attitude? Why would we do it? Maybe. Yeah, I do. They might put more in the offering plate. They might contribute a little bit more. And you know what else? If I treat them nice, they might bring me along with them somewhere. I mean, it's it's it's, it's it, it could be selfishly driven, right? Sure. Yeah. You know what? I'd, I'd like to ride in your fine car next to you, right? Even though that's, you know, but you get the picture. They didn't have cars back then. I, I know better than that, but, <laughs> but sure. And so James is saying, if you, if you take that kind of a distinction, he's saying you have become judges with evil thoughts. That's a pretty harsh thing to say. And so he's warning them to watch how you behave when people come in and don't treat anybody better than another person because when it comes to believers in Christ, we're all equal. Jesus did not respect the individual person. He respected the heart. And so that's what we're called to do as believers is to treat everyone as Christ would treat them. 
And so that gives us a, a little bit of a pause to, to start examining. I love the fact that the book of James in chapter one tells us about the scriptures being a mirror, and then he proceeds to give us all sorts of things that cause us to examine ourselves as though we're looking in a mirror. There's so much throughout here to follow. Verse five, he says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? So in other words, hasn't God given them the same ability as anyone else who would love him to be an heir of the kingdom? They, their riches come from their salvation. Therefore, they are to be revered and to be respected as much as any other person. So you don't have any room to knock them down. Verse 6, he says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? So we find that, that apparently at this point in time, there are rich folks, probably rich unbelievers, who are dragging them into court for means of stealing money from them. We know that that occurred in the Old Testament. We see it frequently. And, and they blaspheme the honorable name of Jesus. So, you know, he, he's saying, why would you, why, do you have a good reason to treat them this way? You don't. In fact, you have every reason to treat everybody the same. Because he's not saying mistreat them. He's just saying, why do you elevate them? My goodness, they even treat you so bad, and yet you elevate them to a level that they don't deserve. And then, so it, it's, it's interesting, is it not? Because Scripture will tell us that that if we are kind to our enemies, it's like what? Heaping, yeah, heaping, heaping coals upon their head. Yet at the same time, there's a difference between being kind and then selfishly treating them as though they are something that they're not for a, for a selfish gain. And that's what's going on here. It's not, that, it's not that they're treating them nice. It's that they're treating them nicer than they are the ones who are without. And so once you start making distinctions like that, you're, you're committing the sin of partiality. And James is saying, there's no room for any of that. Not in, not in a believer's circle. No room for any of that at all. But it's hard sometimes, is it not? Do we not have preconceived notions of people the moment we see them? I mean, honestly, I look at Jimmy Walton. No. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, when I, Doug Black showed up that day, had a shirt tail out. I, looked, I was sitting right here, I looked over at him, I said, Doug, you don't know how much I appreciate you coming with shirt tail out. I said, I've been coming to church with my shirt tail out now for weeks. And I said, you make me feel a whole lot better. So... <laughs> I said, but I have to tell you, when I preach, I don't have my shirt tail out, but it's okay. You can do it. So, <laughs> took pressure off of me. Any comments about that first section of chapter 2 before we get into uh, verse 8 down to 13? It's pretty straightforward. Verse 8 says, if you really fulfill, fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. 
Verse 10 is, is, is certainly harsh. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. We've all studied that verse. We've taught it to Awana kids. We've, um, you know, it's, it's been kind of drilled in our heads. But still sometimes I think we sit and, and compare ourselves and go, at least I'm not doing X. You know, I'm, oh, I might be doing this over here, but at least I'm not, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a whatever. And that's not the way it works here, folks. It says, James is very clear about it. And he says that in verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So a sin is a sin. You break one you break one commandment, you've broken, you may as well have broken all of them. You don't, you don't get to say, well, I broke one and he broke two. Take him first. That's not how it works. <clears throat> Everybody has that idea. Well, your sin's worse than mine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, what'd you say a minute ago? Takes pressure off me. Yeah. yeah. Right? I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find a way, if I'm that guy, I'm trying to find a way to make me feel better about what I know I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I didn't kill anybody. Right. Yeah. That's other saying here. And again, it goes back to who should we be comparing ourselves to? We shouldn't be comparing ourselves to each other because we're all flawed, we're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We should be comparing ourselves to Christ. End of story. So he says in verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. That sounds scary. That sounds scary. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So in other words, when we show mercy to others, it triumphs over showing judgment to others because showing judgment to others without mercy leads to our own judgment. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? These, these warnings are, are, are incredibly um, terse. And, and, you know, when it comes to our day-to-day -day behavior and the treatment of those around us and the treatment of our fellow believers and the treatment of our fellow Christians, it would do us all well to, to meditate a little bit on these words on a regular basis because, like I said, it's easy for us to look at people and get an immediate stereotypical attitude of who they must be like, what kind of a person they are. And, and we do start to treat people differently immediately based upon what we think sometimes. It's, it, it's, it's kind of a human nature, part of our sinful nature. And by, by pausing and saying, now, wait a minute, you know, I, I, need to, I need to talk to this person and deal with this person as a child of God. And, and it doesn't matter what they're wearing, what they look like, how long their hair is. You know, it's, it, it's I've, I've, some of the nicest people I've ever met. When I first looked at them, I was scared to death to talk to them. And, and you find out later on, I didn't have any reason to feel that way. So... The movie does? Yeah. Well, yeah, start out with a bunch of hippies. People don't know how to act. 
Yeah. People don't know how to act. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. I need to. I need to. I need to see that. Two Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good stuff about it, and it. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll probably see it when it when it makes it to home video, but I don't do a lot of movie going once a, once in a blue moon. Does anybody hear her? Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, we're hiding in the shadowy dark people, so you know, and it's just like Does anybody even know she's going down today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean and it, and it's and it's it's sad that, you know, we have put ourselves up on that pedestal. It, it, it happens, and I think it happens without us even knowing it. I really do. And, and I just, I think it behooves us to just to take a step back and ask where, are, I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I, I read these verses and I, and I, there's somebody pops into my head every time I read these verses who, who, who gave every opportunity to show the, the opposite of what's being described here. Never seemed to judge anyone. Always treated everybody the same, and and she she was always welcoming, and that was Karen Scott. Shouldn't have said her name. Now I'm going to mess up. Whew. But yeah. Yeah. Was it someone that should have talked to her? Just reached out, and apparently she ended up with some mental illness, probably because of those things. You don't have a support system around you, mm-hmm. um, and you're left alone in a lot of cases. And I don't know that she was, but but it's a it's a possibility. And uh, when you're shunned, um, you don't know just where things happen. Yeah. Usually, it's because of yeah. So abuse survivors happen in your life. So you just don't know what was in the past. Nope. And I think the other illustration of things you've seen the clips were the the guy was a new pastor and he dressed up like a bum and sat outside the church. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. People walked by him and ignored him, but yet a few did. I mean. That will say it all to you how we need to treat people. Yeah. Because we just judge them by their, their they judge them by their looks. Or say when he got up there and preached, it was. <laughs> yeah. I said they told me exactly how we should treat people. Well, you know, when, when you look to Christ as an example, you look at you look and see how he spoke to tax collectors, how he spoke to the woman at the well, how he spoke to everyone. And, and, and there's, there's your picture, right? There's your example. We look to Christ for that, for that example and Christ for that direction. It's there. It's there. He did the same thing. He ignored people that wasn't in Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yep. If, uh, if, if, if God has made it clean, it's clean. Doesn't matter where it came from. Yeah. Without a doubt. Prejudices exist. Um, and, uh, and they're real. And, they're, and I'm not just talking about racial. There, there's a lot of other diff different kinds of prejudices that affect our lives daily. But you know what? I think it all starts with, with what we're doing right here. Talking about these things, talking, getting these, getting a frame of mind that when we have the opportunity, we've already we, we've got a seed planted, and we can we can start to acknowledge and notice when we're going off track, when we've discussed what the road is supposed to look like. You know, if you don't take the time to study through Scripture and read and understand and discuss and, and, and really get it ingrained and, and, and understand how it is we're supposed to be treating one another and understand through all the other things that we've talked about, right, that, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit. We need to learn more about relying on the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit guide us. Um, there's just ugh, so many aspects here, but it all comes from what we're doing here. This is this to me is such a very beneficial thing, and and not just I'm not talking about just a Wednesday night, but people getting together and doing this and going through Scripture and reading and discussing. There's a there's there's nothing better than this if you want to enrich your life. It's nothing, nothing at all. Anything else before we uh, get up? Go ahead. And you said, like, you know, how did we even get to where we're at to be that complacent with everything going on? It reminds me of the, the analogy that Brother Steve used years back on how you how you cook a bullfrog. If you take a bullfrog and throw it into a pot of boiling water, it's going to automatically jump out. Because but if you put it in the water and just turn the heat on low, and as the water warms up, he gets used to it and used to it until eventually he cooks himself to death because he's complacent and he's, he's getting used to that tempered water as it goes. So he's not, he doesn't feel the heat. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's just a gradual thing. And then he, you end up, he cooks himself to death. So we have to be careful not to be comfortable in, in, our, in our hot water. <laughs> Trying to make that into something, Barb, but I didn't get, didn't really do very well. But I tried. So <laughs> your point is, what point is well taken? <laughs> what did you say? So, there you go. <laughs> oh, well, that opens the door for our next portion of chapter two, talking about faith without works being dead. And uh, some people think that there are a lot of contradictions in here to the things that Paul teaches. Um, obviously, we interpret Scripture in light of Scripture, so there's, it's, it's clear to me that he's in total agreement with Paul when it comes to um, being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and that that's how salvation occurs. But he takes it a bit further and, and describes what saving faith will yield and what will happen. So in verse 14, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? I want you to hold on to that question because he, it's, it's a question that, that needs to be answered. 
The question of if someone has faith but has no works, then what kind of faith is it? Because we are told all throughout Scripture and we see everywhere that faith in Jesus Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, being reborn, a changed heart, a changed mind, all of these things send us in a new direction that causes us to yield fruit. And so when we talk, when he's talking about works, he's talking about fruit. And so he's asking the question, if you have faith, but you have no fruit, then can that faith save you? And it's a, it's a question that begs an answer, and we'll, we'll answer it at the end of this, at this, uh, this passage. But he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead faith is not saving faith. Dead faith is not alive. Dead faith is not... So, so yes, we, it, salvation is a simple thing. Faith in Jesus Christ. We can, we can say that, we can be true, know it's true, and we can be confident of it. But there's a difference between a, a heart faith and a head faith. And so as he continues to go on and talk here about, about things that, that we're going to read about with the demons and how they believe and shudder, having faith in something, it's like, do I know, do I know something knowledge-wise and know that it's true? Yes. But have I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ? Is it enough to know that Jesus was the Son of God, is it or is the Son of God? Is it enough to just have a knowledge of these things? And James is telling us it's not. That's not good enough. There's a deeper level that we need to come to and truly give our hearts over to Christ. And so he says, what good is it if, if somebody comes up to you and they don't have anything to eat and they don't have the clothes they need, and you walk up to them and you say, Go in peace, be warm and filled. So in other words, I hope you find some clothing and I hope you find something to eat. It's a pious response, but it's a cop-out. It's walking up to the person and, and, and dare I say, it's a little bit like, and you might argue with me on this, but I think this is something that Christians today are guilty of doing. I've been guilty of this, I promise you. Somebody's having problems and you talk to them about it and you go, I'll pray for you. <laughs> And you walk on, and then you get busy, and you get sidetracked, and things change, and you've done absolutely nothing to help that person. Is that any different than walking up to somebody and saying, go in peace, be warm and filled, and then walking off without giving them anything? Or making sure that they're helped? I've been guilty of it far too many times. I've started just praying with people right where we are. I don't care where we're at. It's time to pray. Let's go do it. Well, I think the story you were telling me about the missionary dad that you had. Yeah. I mean, that's in my mind. Have to go up eat and he said that restaurant's there. Yeah, I haven't either. But in my <laughs> mind, what an awesome testimony 
because he's carrying it out. He is. Yeah, he's carrying it out. And I think that's I think that's James's point here is that if if your faith doesn't lead you to go beyond just a pat on the back and say something that sounds pious or sounds like I have religion, right? What good is your faith? How deep is your faith really? And so he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He goes on in verse 18, he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? What about Abraham, our father, justified by works? Was not, I said, what about? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Let's think about that for a second. Was it the act of, of offering, uh, uh, offering up Isaac on the altar? Is that what saved him? Yeah, this, and this is why we have to be careful about isolating verses of Scripture and pulling them out and using them as, as proof of something. Because if you read that by yourself or by itself, it makes it sound like it was not Abraham, our father, justified by works. Be careful with that. Because that's not what he's meaning when you frame it in the rest of, these, of, the, of the verses in this passage. He did. And go visit them. No. No, we don't. Jesus would have fed the people. Yeah, he would have. He did feed the people. <laughs> but this is another one of those those points I was talking about where where folks like to say that there's a conflict between what Paul teaches and what James teaches. Because Paul says that Abraham was justified by his by his obedience, by his faith. He was found righteous through his faith. Plain and simple. That's that's how he got his salvation. That's how God found him righteous, was through his faith and, and his obedience and his trusting and, and all those things that roll up in that little ball of, 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 being, uh, of, of being someone who, who truly trusts in the Lord. Yes. No, and, and if, you, if, you, if you finish reading everything through here, Really, what James is saying is that the the works that Abraham did in this specific case by putting his son Isaac on the altar, it was evidence of his justification by his faith. He had so much faith in God that God was going to provide the lamb. So much faith in God that there was a long lineage promised 
that would come through him that there's no way that what I think is about to happen is going to happen. And even if it is, somehow God's going to bring him back. His faith was at that level. We will, yes, he did. So he knew, but he was being obedient. And so, so he, <laughs> he was found righteous because of his faith, but through his works, he proved that he had the faith that he had deep within him. So in verse 22, it says, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. In verse 24, talks about Rahab. It says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way also, not also, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So it does come back to, if you're not, I, I sum up this way, true faith will produce fruit. It will produce works. It doesn't mean that, that you're gonna be doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to be somebody who, who, who does anything specific. But there will be works because of it. Jimmy. Yeah, just to back in the goodness, faith in the form of conduct as well as promise. If our lives remain unchanged, we don't truly believe the truth. We claim Amen. Then the further one down, it said, after all, even demons know who Jesus is, but they don't obey him. They don't obey him. True faith. Yeah, the act, the the. I'm going to pick on you for a second. Um, you said the actions are the words. Your actions do speak as, as loud as any words. But I but I also caution that, you know, uh, people have always said that, what was it, St. Francis of Assisi um, said, that, and he didn't, said that um, uh, spread, the, spread the gospel by, uh, by any means, uh, and if necessary, use words. That's a quote you see oftentimes in print, and they say it, St. Francis of Assisi said it. It's been debunked several times. Um, there's a there's a whole thought that you know well I'm uncomfortable talking to people, and but I'll do I'll 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 go out in Christian service and I'll do things and people will see my witness that way they will, but I firmly believe that 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 we win people by sharing the word of God with them, you know, right. talking. And another thing is, it just says faith brings us salvation. But active obedience demonstrates that our faith is genuine. Good word, isn't it? Yes. Good word. How many times do you, I mean, and it's not speaking judgmentally, but how many times do you hear somebody talking and you might know something about them and it's like, you know, that one's going to be different. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, are they really, really genuine? 
Well, the Apostle Paul had a dickens of a time getting people to believe him, didn't he? So, you know, it's... <laughs> sure enough, the apostles even when he came when he came back to to where they were staying, he said uh, they said, are, "Are you sure this is the same uh, same guy who was running around killing all of us?" Yeah, yeah okay. So. Yeah. No. Without a doubt. Any other comments or questions there before we actually I don't know if we'll move into taming the tongue or not. We could we only got about three minutes and we can go on taming the tongue a whole lot longer than that. So Dale. time to write <laughs> yep it's all part of the plan absolutely absolutely yeah and that's something you know it's it's so so what's the lesson there um, praise God through all through everything right Go back to go back to one one of, of James. Count it all joy. I'm in jail now because I have been been preaching Christ crucified. You know what? I'm going to praise Him, and I'm going to keep praising Him, and I'm going to do whatever I can with other people know about Him, and I'm going to write letters back to churches, and I'm going to. That's dedication. Yeah, well, the guard wasn't killed. It, yeah, the guard was saved. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. The prisoners didn't run away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a boy. It's 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 good to have these discussions, and I appreciate them. I really do. I, I appreciate you all being here on Wednesday night. Um, I think we have a decision to make. Maybe tomorrow or ne next week. There's no children's ministries. We gonna do this? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> we never discussed it. So I thought I'd look to you. You being the chief deacon and all, you could you know. Make a decision. You'll be here? All right. I'll be here too then. <laughs> we'll be here. Yep. What's that? That's right. Yes. So me and Dale will be here. So <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for the discussion tonight and thanks for coming out. Such a beautiful day. I know sometimes it's hard to, to come out and sit here and, and inside, but... Uh, I'll be honest, I really thought hard about what other things I had to do, but I'm trying to keep my commitments for a moment. 
I, I, well, I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. This is the only thing I thought about almost all day because it kept me sane, knowing that at the end of the day I was going to be able to come here and do this with you all. He helped me get through everything else. So. <laughs> There you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Well, any other co co uh, comments or anything with, to close with before we have a word of prayer? I think we just challenge everybody to fight for Yeah. Oh, I'd love, I'd love to see these seats filled. Yeah. Not that you all aren't great. You are. You're wonderful. But you're tired of looking at this it helps that you it helps that you move around a lot. Oh. <laughs> we don't have a sign to see. That's right. <laughs> I didn't pick on you that time. <laughs> I want to be clear, it wasn't me. All right, let's close. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to do this this evening. Father, we thank you for the fellowship that we have with one another. Uh, Lord, we thank you for preserving your word. Um, uh, we just thank you so much that we have the opportunity to study it and draw, draw closer to you. And uh, Father, I just pray that we will hide these words in our hearts as we are, as we are uh, called to do and that will allow them to influence us in every step that we take and every decision that we make. Uh, Lord, we, may we prayerfully consider everything that we do. And Lord, give us the courage, the knowledge, and the wisdom to be able to approach others. Um, let us approach others and, and be able to, to witness to them and, and just show them Christ's love, not only through our actions, but by sharing your word. Uh, Lord, be with us as we depart from uh, this, uh, this sanctuary and uh, help guide us through uh, the rest of our week. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.